Welcome to ECB Everything College Basketball, cooking it up with Tyler, Josh, and Peyton. Yeah. It's everything college basketball. We're marching on to the madness. Come to full court press, every crazy dunk in the conference and how that team's back up. We're pulling your poles, taking your bows, letting the Burton brothers know. The players you're watching, the teachers you're not with, and who you see in the final four. With them shout outs and weekly pickums, plus those crazy rants from Tyler, Josh, and Peyton. It's ECB, everything college basketball, training three. Man, this podcast has it all. It's ECB, everything college basketball, training three. Yeah, now the moment you've all been waiting for Your host, from the corner It's Josh and Peyton Burton With Tyler Cool Everything College Basketball Podcast To everything college basketball, episode number 53. I'm, of course, Josh Burton. And here you have the sounds of the war cry of the notorious Conor McGregor. Ooh, I get goosebumps every time I hear it. I wanted to set the tone of today's episode. Obviously, you guys should know by now that college basketball is my number one, the most passionate thing. But I do like stuff outside of college basketball. I've watched the Packers. I guess you could say play on Sunday. We'll talk briefly about. But he's become, over the last five years, six years, right there in my Mount Rushmore on athletes I've enjoyed like um, Brett Favre, still number one. Then there's Michael Jordan, King Griffey Jr. And now the notorious Conor McGregor has moved on to the fourth spot, replacing Randy Moss. Um, but we had the return of the one, the only, the notorious Conor McGregor this past Saturday in a huge event. The The card itself was not the greatest, but anytime you put Conor on the billing, you've seen for the first time ever, ABC Broadcasting has been around for whatever it was, 50, 60, 70 years. They've never covered MMA until this past Saturday. They did pre-game, like basically pre-fight coverage. They did a whole deal on it. Connor makes his anticipated return, needing a win. And boy, did he put on a show. If you blinked, it was over. If you blinked, it was over. He came out. Everybody knew that, that Cerrone needed to grapple him and take him into deep waters. And Connor didn't even give it a chance. He comes out swinging with a, a straight left. Immediately, Cowboy ducks, but Connor goes into transition mode, fights off a takedown. They get in a clinch, and Connor does like the most unorthodox shoulder strikes that end up breaking Cowboy's nose. They separate the clinch after it breaks. 
Connor throws a throws a left, misses, sets up a head kick, catches Cowboy, stuns him, puts him up against the fence, hits him with a big left, goes down for some ground and pound. It's over in 40 seconds. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. The notorious one's back. And I, myself, couldn't be more excited. Sets up a litany of opportunities now. But I really think he says it's his season. I believe him. We're going to see Connor hopefully another two or three more times this year. And I expect him to win every one of them. The notorious one is back. So, surprise, surprise, mother. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, I mentioned the Packers real quick. You know, made the NFC Championship game. Uh, I thought we had a good shot at getting some revenge against the 49ers. And the Niners just ran all over us. It was like playing a game of Madden. Knowing the, the other team or the, whoever you're playing can't stop the run. So, you just spam the run. Green Bay's defense got shredded like they were cheddar cheese on a grater, if you want to say that analogy. But um, fair play to 49ers. You know, they go back to another Super Bowl to try to tie Pittsburgh now with their uh, sixth title. So we'll see what happens there. They go play the Chiefs. So that's a good one. All in all, stepping back, you know, the, the Packers had a good season, you know, 13 and four over. Oh, actually, 14 and four if you include the playoff wins and loss. 14-4, first-year head coach, um, all not good. Let's hope we can uh, shore up the defense, need a better offensive line, need another wide receiver for Rodgers. But a lot of positives coming out. We we found a running back, um, found a new – like another slot receiver type, like an Alan Lazard. So Green Bay is going to be fine. Good year, but a uh, terrible way to end it. But let's get into what you guys are here for, some college hoops talk. Obviously, I'm recording today on Tuesday. It's my day off from work. I tuck Sunday off when I normally record, so that's why this is delayed. Because I was watching the Packers game, you know, it is what it is. We'll be back on Sundays from here on out. But Tuesday, it's early afternoon Tuesday. So we got a lot to talk about from the past week of college basketball. So let's go ahead and get right into it. It's just been another another wild week of college basketball. Like, it's not even – you would think that at some point it would peak because we've said it so much just early in the first two and a half months of the season. We're like, oh, it's so wild and crazy. But every time it happens, like this past week, just it was upset city all week. Every time it happens, you're still kind of stunned. You just don't expect it. I have a stat here, and I'll go through the, ups, the upsets, but I have a stat here that was talked about Saturday afternoon that stood out to me. 14 times, and this is taken into account all the upsets throughout the week that I'll get into but already, as we sit here on Tuesday, 14 times this season alone, a top five team has lost to an unranked opponent. 14 times. You want some perspective on that? It happened six times all of last year. We've still got two months to go. I guarantee you that number hits 20 or more, the way this season's playing out. There's no, we think two teams are, they're not great but they're the best of the bunch right now, but there's still not that much separation. We'll talk all about that, but 14 times a top five team has lost to an unranked opponent already this year. It only happened six times last year, all the whole season. It's just wild. Not only is no, nobody want to be number one, nobody wants to be a high ranking right now. It's We're going to have a champion this year that has double-digit losses, I, I feel. It's going to be one of those tournaments, which is going to make it fun and exciting, but it's going to make it so wild that you just don't even have an idea. So let's go ahead and get into all these upsets. I'm not going to go over like every game like I have been. 
but we will get into some of the major ones from the past week. Starting on Tuesday, the upsets started flowing last week. Clemson over number three, Duke, 79-72. That gives Clemson, at that time, back-to-back wins. Because if you remember the Saturday prior, they went into Chapel Hill and knocked off North Carolina for the first time ever in program history. They turn around the very next game at home and knock off Duke, 79-72, for the first win against Duke, I think, in, what they say, like 19 years or something. It's been a while. So in back-to-back games, they break historic streaks for their program and do it by taking down the two biggest players inside uh, Tobacco Road. It's good stuff from Clemson. Duke, you know, it's again, we uh, I'll talk more about them here too coming up. But Duke, one of those teams I talked about last week and the week before, you know, I thought if you wanted to go Baylor, Gonzaga, Duke, those three is the best teams in college basketball, you wouldn't get an argument from me. But Duke's been bitten by the bug that everybody else has fallen to. That, um, hey, you can't win on the road. You know, conference road game at Clemson. Team that's playing better. Got some momentum. And you don't show up, you're going to get beat. You're going to get beat. Also on Tuesday, Wisconsin takes down number 17, Maryland, 56-54. Wisconsin, I've been raving on them. Uh, You know the wins they've had in this past month to really turn this program around. From the beginning of the year, Greg Gard's done a tremendous job. Maryland, I'm still high on them, but it's like Maryland wins one against Ohio State, and then they'll lose one against Wisconsin. And then they'll turn around and they'll beat Indiana, and then they'll turn around and lose the Northwestern. Or it. I can't explain. I can't put my finger on it. Does anybody want to be great? Not just good, because there's some good. I still think Maryland's good. I think Duke's good. Does anybody want to be great? I don't know. Wednesday. I thought Tuesday. We had two upsets on Tuesday inside the top 25. Oh, okay. Then we moved to Wednesday. Things got wild. Wednesday night. Uh, this place, we are so snake bit at this place. Even if we win, it just feels like craziness happens. A couple years ago, Coach Cal gets tossed. Um, I think that was the Jamal Murray years. Um, He's got tossed before when we got upset with the Harrison Twins their first year. Every time we go to South Carolina, it's one of those places I'm just like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can tell you it's going to be close. It doesn't matter. Even if we win, it just feels like it's way closer than it should be. But it feels like the last 10 years we've lost there more than we've won or at least about equal. So we go to we being Kentucky. Just got the number 10 ranking. Finally climb back in the top 10. Go to South Carolina. Up 15 with I think 16, 15 minutes to go. It's on cruise control. We're hitting threes. Nate Sestina's hitting them. Tyrese Maxey's hitting shots. Quickly's hitting them. I'm listening. I'm at work. I'm listening to the game on the South Carolina broadcast, and their announcers sound defeated. They're like, oh, God. Like, you could hear it in the tone of their voice. Nate Sestina hits a pull-up three. They're like, oh, you can't leave. Timeout, South Carolina. You can't leave him. They sound defeated. But Kentucky stopped playing, it seemed like. The Cats stopped playing, or at least stopped playing hard or with the same intensity that got them that lead. It doesn't matter. South Carolina has beat Virginia this year. They've had a couple decent wins. But you can't stop playing just because you're up with 16 to go. You can't stop playing because you're up with 8 to go. You can't stop playing if you're up to 4 to go. You have to put teams away, especially this year in college basketball. And Kentucky didn't do that. They got outscored 56-45 by South Carolina in the second half. 
Emmanuel quickly had a good game. He single-handedly kept Kentucky in the game. Ashton Hagen's fouled out. Um, but the story of the game, besides Kentucky taking their foot off the pedal, um, the Kuzner kid from South Carolina, 26. He had 26 points. He was hitting everything, especially late. Speaking of late, let's get into it. South Carolina is up. They're missing free throws left and right. Kentucky gets back into the ball game to the point where they're down 78-76 with a couple seconds to go. Emmanuel quickly steps up, hits a big 14-15 foot jump shot. Ties the game at 78. South Carolina races back down the floor, and you can know, you could just tell what was going to happen. I had that feeling. Listen to the radio and or listen to the broadcast while I'm at work. You could just see it. You could see it visualize and play out. South Carolina races down the floor after it quickly just tied it up. <laughs> and they bank in a three to beat the Cats 81-78. I posed the question, and I'm not even saying this just because I'm a Kentucky fan. Is there is there a program that gets beat on more buzzer beaters in college basketball? in the last 10 years at least, than the University of Kentucky. And I'm not even trolling. I'm not. Does any other team lose? It it seems like Kentucky gets beat on a buzzer beater at least once a year, if not twice a year. You think about all the buzzer beaters that, since Coach Cowell's been there, that Kentucky's lost on. All right, let's go down through them. Let me get comfortable here. Just off the top of my head, I don't have anything in front of me. I'm just trying to remember some of these. You think about obviously the Indiana one's the big one, right? The watch shot. That's the that's the prime one. Um think about Devin Downey putting on Kentucky, John Wall's ear. I don't know if that was a buzzer beater or not, but I remember him putting it on us. Think about the Arkansas game with Julius Randle and company, James Young and them. The Cats forget the weak side blockout and get dunk-tipped, dunk-tipped to win the game. You think about, obviously, this one. You go back to the LSU game from last year. The Whether it's above the cylinder or inside the cylinder or not, LSU wins on a tip back. And I know there's more than I'm forgetting. I'm just blocking out. I'm thinking Florida beat us on the buzzer once. Who all? I feel like there's been a few others. I actually know there have been. But... So we'll just say that's at least six or seven in the past decade. That's almost one a year that Kentucky's got beaten on a buzzer beater. I I define you. I dare you and define you to uh, to pick out another program that's getting beat on buzzer beaters that much. But anyways, fair play to to South Carolina. Great win for Frank Martin and company. They needed it, you know. Gave them the first conference win of the year, and they played better. They, you know, Kuzner, 26 points, lit Kentucky up in the second half. They had no answer for him. Good on South Carolina. The Cats, that's a bad loss. That gives them their third bad loss of the year. They have the weirdest resume. I'll talk about that later on, but they have the weirdest resume to me in college basketball. They have wins over Michigan State, Louisville. I, well, we'll talk about this other win coming up. That was on the road. They've beaten Georgia, who's decent. They've got some pretty good wins, but they've got some really terrible losses we'll talk about. 
Anyways, moving on from that. Also on Wednesday night, that wasn't the only upset. Wednesday night, Auburn takes their first defeat of the year. Number three undefeated Auburn loses in the the hardware version of the of the Iron Bowl. They lose. Not only they lose and lose their first game, but they have to do it to their biggest rival, and they got blown out by doing it. Alabama eighty three. Number three, Auburn, 64. Great win for NATO. I talked about it, how well that they were the best, maybe, what I say, eight and seven team in college basketball after playing Kentucky. They've got all the talent in the world. Kyra Lewis Jr. is a star. John Petty is a junior year. He came in as a five-star kid with Colin Sexton. You know the talent. You've seen it. He just not always put it together. They've got players. And the thing for Auburn now, Auburn doesn't shoot the three like they did last year. They don't have that three-point of making ability. So for them, they have to go inside and attack the rim. They have to beat you off the bounce. They have to rely on their defense, get some transition buckets. And that didn't happen against Alabama. Alabama 83, number three, Auburn 64, the first loss of the year. That puts San Diego State as the lone undefeated team in college basketball now. The final remaining one. Raise your hand if you put money down on that because I'm sure you'll be collecting to the bank. Also on Wednesday night, this was my bank one. I got it right. Number 18, Seton Hall, goes into Butler. Number four, Butler, knocks them off 78-70. Seton Hall, at the time, is still undefeated in Big East play. Miles Powell went for, I think, 29. Unbelievable. Butler just didn't have any match for him down the stretch. Seton Hall's the real deal. They hit a little slide. You know, Miles got hurt. Um, uh, oh, not Bezos Shavili. Uh, Sandro Mamakulashivi got hurt. But Seton Hall's bouncing back. They're looking like a real force now, and they're looking like the team preseason that I thought they would be. Seton Hall makes my bank on it right again. I'm actually – I'm on the over this year for bank one. I actually think I'm like four and two now, four and three. So I am I know I'm winning them. I have to go back and check. But Seton Hall, 78, Butler, 70. Good win for the Pirates there. Another upset team that I'd had that had been playing really, really well takes the L right now, or takes the L on Wednesday night. Temple 65, number 16, Wichita State 53. Temple, a team that played decent and looked good against Maryland in the, that Bahamas, or was it the Orlando, the Orlando Invitational? We thought that they could be something, but since then they've struggled. They've took some bad losses. They're towards the bottom of their conference in the American. Wichita State was leading the conference, and then they take an L by 12 to Temple. We just, again, it's college basketball, so what, what can you say? Also on Wednesday night, Georgetown, so up and down, so up and down, but they knock off number 25, Creighton, who had been playing a lot better, just got into the rankings, 83-80, Georgetown with Mac McClung's looking pretty good. I, they're going to hang around all year for a bubble spot, I think. I think by the end of the year, Georgetown's going to be right there for a firm bubble spot and will be battling on one of these teams like uh, – like Wisconsin or somebody for a, a bubble spot. And you got to go to Georgetown, I think. So Thursday night, Washington State, 72, number eight, Oregon, 61. Terrible loss for the Ducks. I think Washington State's decent. I think that they're decent, but they're not good. Terrible loss for the Ducks. Again, why can't these – why does anybody want to be really good or great? I'll never understand it. Friday night, Friday night, Luke Garza does it again to Michigan. If you remember that first matchup, he put up 40, 
was it 44, 45 points? And Michigan won. Or what? I th- yeah, I think it was like 44, 45. Friday night, Iowa takes down Michigan, our number 19 Michigan, should I say, 90 to 83. Luke Garza had 33 points. Does, do you realize the seven-foot big man from Iowa is in the top 10 in nation in scoring? He's averaging like 23, 24 points a game right now. Unbelievable. Like, we knew he could score last year, but they were the star of that team was like guys like Tyler Cook, guys like Isaiah Moss, who's now at Kansas. Luke Garza was like that complimentary big man piece, but now he's the star. He's leading Iowa, and Iowa's on the team again. That's you'll, you'll beat Michigan, and then you'll go on the road, and you'll lose to Purdue. Then you'll come back at home, and you'll beat Ohio State, but then you go on the road and get blown out by Nebraska. It's just it's college basketball. What can you say? What can you say this year, right? Other than it's just college freaking basketball. So we move on to the Saturday slate of games. Let's go ahead and get into them. The game of the day for us. The game of the day. Number three, Duke hosts the number 11, Louisville. The Cardinals jumped out on Duke early, led by David Johnson, the freshman, who's finally starting to get healthy. Had 17 points in the first half on the Dukies. Louisville led 42-32 at half, cruising. But you know Duke wouldn't go down without swinging. Duke makes a, a furious rally coming back. But Louisville's toughness, Louisville's defense, and again, they did it without Jordan Wara, who's a bigger problem in these big games. I thought it may be just a Kentucky game. He didn't show up. But you look at all these big games so far, with the exception, I think, Florida State. Jordan Wara doesn't show up. But his supporting cast loves playing these big-time row games, apparently. David Johnson ends with 19 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists, even though he only scored 2 in the second half. Still enough to get the job done. Duke was led by a cash of Stanley's 24-11. and 11. Superstar freshman all year. He's going to be a top-10 lottery pick, I think. Um, but Louisville, I called that one. Louisville goes into Cameron Indoor and wins 79-73 in the battle of Two of the top three teams in the ACC conference establishes early. I thought at the beginning of the year when we talked about this as potential top five matchup at the time, Louisville was going to win regardless. They showed up and showed out, even without Jordan Nora playing well. David Johnson, if they can get him to play like that on a consistent basis. Now, every night he's not going to go for 19. But if he can go for 10 and around five, six, seven assists like that, Louisville's national championship good like we thought. Because Nora, you hope to God in big games he's not going to continue to not show up. But if he ever shows up with the supporting cast, Louisville's best team in the nation. You you can quote me on that. If Jordan Nora shows up in big games and the supporting cast shows up like they have been, Louisville's best team in the nation. I said at the beginning of the year and I still stick by it. Kentucky goes on to the road and get, gets a big bounce back win on the road against a very good Arkansas team who was 14-2 and two coming in, 3-1 and one inside the SEC. Arkansas, had their students had lined up waiting on this game. The game didn't start until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Students were already lined up outside the building camping out at 6 in the freaking morning. It was a huge game. It is anytime Kentucky comes in, but I said it. When Arkansas and the Hogs are good, Bud Walton Arena is one of the toughest buildings in America. You can put that right up there with Assembly Hall. You can put it right up there with Cameron Indoor, with Fog Allen. It is one of the toughest places in America to play. The Cats were went up at halftime, but just like the South Carolina game, let Arkansas come back. Let Arkansas take the lead. 
And with like 10 minutes to go, Coach Cal got two T's. He got, see ya. He got tossed out the game. But it woke the Cats up. And all credit goes, to my opinion, to Kenny Payne, who ended up taking over as the head coach, and assistant coach Tony Barbie. They had just put the zone in like a day or two before. But Cal, I love Cal, but sometimes he's stubborn. and Sometimes he he doesn't make the right decisions when it makes substitutions or patterns or whatnot. He gets tossed. Arkansas had been torching Kentucky. The Cats immediately go zone. Arkansas is not a good shooting team. Cats immediately go zone, force Arkansas on some jump shots. Arkansas starts breaking them. And it allows Kentucky to spread the floor, get out transition, get some easy ones. They immediately go on. Cal gets tossed. The Cats go on a 17-2 run to put the game away. How crazy is that? Because they went to a zone, and on offense, when they went in the half court, Barbie and Payne decided to put Nick in the post, isolate him, and spread the defense out, basically going four guards. And how the credit, you got to give credit to Keon Brooks. The best game he's had in his college career, the best game he's had as a Kentucky Wildcat by far. Played 16 minutes, had 10.7 rebounds, only, or he had one block, one steal, and only three turnovers, only two personal fouls. Tremendous game by Keon Brooks. He finally started to put things together. He was huge in that, but Emmanuel Quickly and Ashton Hagens and those guys, a three-guard lineup of him and Maxie and Quickly and Hagens around Nick Richards, those guys were tremendous, all four and double figures. Of course, Keon went for 10 coming off the bench. That zone and then the, the the offensive structure they went to, all credit to Kenny Payne and um, Tony Barbie. The Cats get a huge road win. Huge. I'm telling you, that's a big one. Arkansas's a good team. Arkansas's a really good team. Also on Saturday, Gonzaga blows out BYU, one of their only competition in the West Coast. Gonzaga's going to do what Gonzaga does inside the West Coast. Um, Killian Tilly went for 22 and 10. Good player, but they're not going to be challenged. St. Mary's going to be their only challenge twice. Baylor struggled against Oklahoma State. Struggled down nine at halftime and end up coming back and only uh, you know outscoring the, the Cowboys 16 points in the second half to squeak by with a big win. You know, Oklahoma State had them right where they won them, and then Baylor showed their toughness and grit. They didn't really shoot the ball that tremendously well, but they're looking like the makings. They could be a great team finally, and getting wins like that's how teams who end up winning championships do it. Number four, Auburn takes their second L of the week. Florida 69, Auburn 47. Auburn, again, continues to struggle to shoot the basketball from deep. Florida's finally starting to look like the team that we thought they would be preseason. They've gotten to conference play, starting to get some confidence and rolling now. Omar Payne led the Gators, 19 points, 11 rebounds. Huge game for the Florida senior. Huge game. Also, DePaul gets their first conference win, bounces back. Remember, they had a great non-conference. They blow out. Number five, Butler at home, 79-66. Paul Reed led the Blue Demons, 23 points, nine rebounds. Kamar Baldwin had 16 for Butler. Butler lost two in a row this week, or this past week. That makes number three, Duke, number four, Auburn, number five, Butler, each losing a pair of games this past week. Tell me college basketball isn't crazy. Kansas struggled early against Texas down at half. They come back and blow them out second half, get a big win on the road at Texas, 66-57. San Diego State stayed undefeated, beat, beating Nevada. Oregon 
was getting hammered early by Washington. I was watching this one. Getting hammered early. Held the Huskies at 19 second half points. Sent the game to overtime. Game that went back and forth. Tied at 61 late in the game. Couple seconds left. And of course, who who comes to the answer? Or who comes to the rescue? Peyton Pritchard. Hits a game winning three from about 25 feet. Gives the Ducks a nice bounce back victory. Washington now sits at 12-7, and 2-4 and four in Pac-12. Nothing what we thought they would be preseason. Thought this was a team that could be top 10 good all year, top 15 good at least, and challenge for the Pac-12. Those are almost gone now. Um, they're, now they're going to fight for the tournament life. It'd be a real shame if Isaiah Stewart and Jaden McDaniels didn't get to the tournament. Isaiah Stewart had 50, or 25 points, 19 rebounds. That kid's a lottery pick for sure. 25 points, 19 rebounds. Um, but, you know, Peyton Pritchard didn't really play well all game, but he hits the game-winning three. That's what he does. Also, number 12, West Virginia gets smacked at Kansas State. Kansas State, 84. West by God, Virginia, 68. Conference play for you. Houston's finally looking like a team preseason. I thought they would. They've gotten a conference play and starting to roll. They give Wichita State their second loss of this of the week. They go into Wichita. What's happening, College Hoops fans? It is Conrad Cushman from the Everything Pro Wrestling Podcast, and I'm here to tell you how you can follow Everything Pro Wrestling. First, go to your Facebook, type in the search bar, Everything Pro Wrestling. Look for our official page with over 1,000 likes and make sure you give it a like. Also, we have a closed group with over 200 members in it where you can join discussions and talk about anything and everything pro wrestling. We also have a Twitter handle, and that is at EPW Show. And we have a podcast, and the podcast is available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And remember, Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. Now let's get back to talking some college hoops. Hey, welcome back. Um, I was just listening back to that first segment. I realized I got cut off there. I don't know what happened. So I'll finish what I was saying before we move on. I was talking about Houston. Houston went into Wichita State, knocked them off, gives Wichita State their second loss on the week. Houston's starting to look like a team we thought they would be. Uh, 4-1 and one in the American Conference now. Good job by Houston. Maryland knocked off Bay- or Purdue. Purdue is now 10-8 and eight on the year, 3-4 and four in the conference. Seton Hall beats their rivals. Uh, St. John's beat them 82-79. Arizona knocked off uh, number 20 Colorado, 75-54. Arizona's starting to look like the team we thought they could be. You know the talents there. That Pac-12 is going to be just wild. Uh, both teams are 3-2 and two in conference. I still stand by Colorado winning the conference, but we'll see. Penn State knocked off number 21 Ohio State, 90-76. The the Cinderella run, I guess, for Penn State stays alive, even though they're now three and four in the Big Ten. Ohio State falls to twelve and six, two and five in the Big Ten. This is a team that just a month ago was almost number one in the uh, in the land. They're almost they were almost number one in the land. I think they've lost like six of their last eight. So I don't know what it takes for Ohio State to get it turned back around, but they need to. Um, they need to get it figured out in a hurry. Sunday, Sunday's games. Wasn't a whole lot to talk about. Rutgers continues their hot run. It actually puts them ranked for the first time in 41 years. They knocked off Minnesota. Puts them 14-4 and four on the year, 5-2 and two in the Big Ten. Other than that, not a lot of good slate of games for Sunday. Yesterday's games, 
top 25 action. You've seen Baylor squeak by and hold off a good Oklahoma squad, 61-57. And then you've seen West Virginia blow out Texas. The question was brought up, will this be um, head coach Shaka Smarts last year at Texas? I, man, if they don't get to tournament and at least win a game, I think it is. And I like Shaka. I loved him at his style play at VCU. But like our um, like our guy on the Facebook said, Mr. Bo Foster was talking about it. He might be better at a mid-major like his former head coach, Anthony Grant, is. You see what Anthony Grant did at VCU before he went to Alabama, and you see what he's doing now at Dayton. I think maybe Shaka might be better in that realm. I think he could be uh, like – also, if you want to think about it, like Steve Alford. Alford was really good at New Mexico and other places, but he wasn't as good at Iowa or UCLA. So we'll see. There, there's a lot to be um, – a lot to happen still yet in this year. For all we know, Texas could, you know, run the table, finish undefeated, win the national title. So, a lot to happen. Looking ahead, obviously today's Tuesday, some slate of games. The Georgia gets the return game from a, two weeks ago against Kentucky. This time they're in Rupp Arena tonight. I think it's going to be the same story. I think Anthony Edwards has his. I think he's going for 29, 30 points. I think Rashawn Hammonds is going to play better. I do see Rashawn Hammonds going for about – 15 points, but they're not going to get much outside those two, I don't think. I think the Cats are – man, I don't want to say it because last time I said it, we went South Carolina and lost. Um, and before that, I said it, we lose the Utah and Ohio State. So I'm just going to say, I think Kentucky's – regardless of the loss of South Carolina, I think they found something. At home, they're going to be too much. I think the key player, I think he got his confidence at Arkansas – Look for Keon Brooks to go for close to a double-double tonight. I really think his defensive identity has been there. He plays hard. Now I think he's going to start reaping the rewards. Look for KBJ to to have a good one tonight. Just, just my opinion. Kansas has their rivalry game tonight. First, in the, first of two coming up. They host Kansas State. I think because they host them, I know Kansas State just had that big win against West Virginia. But... I look for Kansas to blow out the Wildcats of Kansas State. I don't think this being competitive. I look for Kansas to win by 20-plus. Butler has a tough one. Can they avoid a three-game losing streak tonight? Number 13, Butler, goes to number 9, Villanova. In a huge Big East clash. This will determine a lot inside that Big East conference. Villanova is a game behind Seton Hall. Butler is now two games behind Seton Hall in the conference race. So it's going to be a, a huge factor for both teams this early already. I think Butler's going to keep it close, but I like Villanova at home. I I still am really high on this Wildcats team. You've heard me for weeks now. I think Villanova's got pieces. I think Villanova can spread Butler out and give them problems. And I think at the end of the day, Villanova being at home is going to be the difference. Give me Villanova in that one. Maryland's at Northwestern. I don't think Maryland will have too much of an issue with Northwestern. But again, the way the season's playing out, I could be wrong. Illinois, number 21, goes to Purdue. I think Purdue actually wins this game just because they hold home court pretty well this year, even though they're 10-8, and 3-4 and four in the Big Ten. Illinois has been wishy-washy as well, although they've been playing better. Uh, give me the Boilers. I like Purdue on this one. Texas Tech goes to TCU in a clash tonight. TCU is very underrated, but I think Texas Tech's playing well. Give me Tech in that one. Duke Miami tonight. Duke gonna be super pissed off that they've lost two in a row. I think they blow out Miami. 
San Diego State, number four, you know, last undefeated. They played in Wyoming. Do we even need to discuss that one? Tomorrow night, slide of games on Wednesday night. It's not the best. I think St. Bonaventures will give number seven Dayton all they want. The Bonnies are four and one in the A10. Dayton is obviously five and zero, oh, but I think St. Bonaventure could be the second best team in that conference right now. So it could be one v two right now if you want to look at it like that. And I like because it's at home. I'm going to say Dayton wins. But all I'm saying is, don't be surprised if the Bonnies. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to move around. Don't be surprised if the Bonnies keep it close. Um, Auburn, see if they bounce back. They fell all the way to 16, but they get South Carolina. Let's see if they bounce back. Seton Hall against Providence. How about this? First time ranked in our 41 years. Number 24, Rutgers, goes on the road tomorrow night against number 19, Iowa. We've seen what Iowa does at home. We saw how good Rutgers is at home. But can they carry that momentum on the road? I'm going to say it's one of those cases you get ranked, you're happy. But I think you take the L. Iowa holds home court. Luke Garza goes for another big one. Just my opinion. Moving on to Thursday, we've got a big one here. Number 11, Michigan State. Under, or unranked Indiana in Assembly Hall. Indiana, as bad as they were last year, managed to sweep Michigan State. Like, they end up sweeping Michigan State somehow last year. So we'll see. This is huge for the Big Ten race because Michigan State's on top with six and one. Indiana's four and three. Both teams are 14 and four on the year. Indiana, we know, especially for big games, especially for big games. Assembly Hall is one of the toughest, if not the toughest place in America to go play at. Can they make it three in a row against Sparty? Indiana's front court against Nebraska Saturday. All three guys played extremely well, meaning Brunk, Smith, and Trace Jackson Davis. Not, they all scored in double figures, only hit one three-pointer combined between them. Now, Indiana has been pretty good defensively this year. You think about some of the games that they've won. It's been defensive-minded, which is a complete cry from the Indiana teams of the past decade who would beat you because they would just outscore you and couldn't defend to save their life. This Indiana team defends pretty well. But they struggle shooting. It's like you can't have them both, right? But at home, just like against Ohio State, just like against Florida State, I like Indiana winning this and with the upset. I think because Michigan State's, you know, front five, front six are good. And they've got maybe the player of the year in the Big Tw- or in the Big Ten on their side, Cassius Winston, just became the the school and the Big Ten's all-time leading assist man, which a rich history in that uh, conference, that's saying a lot. But because Indiana's playing stingy defense, they've got tough guys on the front line. Michigan State's lacking a little depth in the front court. I think that's where the game's won. I think Trace Jackson Davis, Joey Brunk, I think, um, oh, I can't think, it's Justin Smith, isn't that his name? I forgot his name. Um, and Hunter. Jerome Hunter, I think those four, and then if you want to throw uh, like Deron Davis too, those five, that front court, the way you can rotate in and out at four or five spots are going to give Michigan State trouble. 
The only thing for Indiana, you've got two keys I think that you have to – It's three. I'll give you three keys Indiana has to do to win this ballgame. One, they've got to limit turnovers. They have, a, they have a tendency to be in too big of a hurry and turn the ball over. Indiana's got to slow down, take care of the basketball. Number two, you got to buy a couple three-point shots. You got to get Devontae Green. You got to get Armand Franklin. Guys like that, you got to get them to hit some. If Indiana can hit seven, eight, nine threes between there, Indiana wins. Also, you get to the free throw line, but you got to convert. As a team, Indiana shoots right around like 55, 60%. Let me see if I can pull that stat up because it is not. It's not good. Um, they're getting to the free throw line, but they are missing so many. Um, I'm seeing if I can pull this up. As a, They're shooting 68.2% from the free throw line. 68.2% from the free throw line. It's Indiana. Indiana teams are known for shooting. So if Indiana can shoot a good free throw percentage... You know, because they get to the line. Let's say they get to the line 20 times. If they hit 16 of them, Indiana wins going away. If Indiana shoots a good free throw percentage, Indiana just can buy a couple threes, and they take care of the basketball, I like the Hoosiers. If they don't do any of those things, or only do one of the three, Michigan State's winning this ballgame. But I, I do have Indiana. Let's go on the record. I do have the Hoosiers winning. Um, some Pac-12 games on Thursday night, but nothing really piques my interest. Friday night, you get Marquette at Butler. That could be very fun. Um, if you're a Butler fan, go to that one. You've already got to see Miles Powell come in. Now you get to see arguably the second best scorer in college basketball. Um, or maybe first, it depends on how you look at it. Marcus Howard's going to come in and put a show. He's going to go for 40, but I think Butler wins because Marquette doesn't have the pieces around Howard. Saturday. Saturday starts is the the Big 12 SEC challenge or clash or however they want to say it. So we got my cats going into number 18 Texas Tech. That's going to be that's going to be such a grinded out tough game. We know Texas Tech's going to just muck you up. They're going to play you tough. They're going to defend you. Kentucky's got to be ready for that. I'll save my prediction for later on in the week because I it honestly you hate to be on the fence about it. It go either way, right? You could see easily where Texas Tech just frustrates Kentucky and locks them up and wins a comfortable game for them. And you could see where Kentucky, because they're very good defensive themselves, you can see where the Cats, their defense shines, and they get out in transition and run, and talent takes over. We'll see. The other Big 12 SEC games, Missouri at West Virginia. I think you guys know who I'm going with on that one. West by God, Virginia. Iowa State at Auburn. You know, two weeks ago, I would have said Auburn comfortably. Well, Iowa State's not the Iowa State we've seen the past five, ten years. But Auburn's not shooting the ball as well. So we'll see. I still like Auburn, but it could be interesting. Um, Tennessee at Kansas. This game last year had been a lot more fun, but uh, Kansas is going to blow Tennessee out, in my opinion. Uh, just the way it is. Now, this one. This one right here. This one. I want to make it, and I still haven't decided, I want to make it the game of the day. Even though Kentucky-Texas Tech is the ranked matchup, I want to make this one the game of the day. And here's why. Number one, Baylor, on the road 
in the O'Connell Center, or what used to be the O'Connell Center, playing the Florida Gators. This right here is where Baylor could take a loss. They just went to number one, I think for the first time in program history, or at least for a long time. Florida's playing a lot better. I just mentioned it. They look a lot better in since they've gotten SEC play. They have all the talent in the world. There's reasons why some of these publications preseason put them even as high as number one. We had them in the top five, top six. And they're looking a lot better. You know, I mean, just mentioned Omar Payne, 19-11. Kerry Blackshear's there. You've got Trey Mann. You've got um, oh Scotty Lewis, the freshman, that freshman duo. And you got Andrew Nimhart. The Gators are good, and Mike White's a tremendous young offensive-minded coach. This right here could be a game, because Baylor's defense, we know how good Baylor's defense is, and they can shoot the ball underratedly well. That doesn't make any sense, but you understand. This, I'll just go ahead and say it. I think Baylor is in trouble in this one. I don't know who I'm going to win. I just think they're in trouble. Even if they squeak one out, I think they're in trouble. Florida's playing Florida's playing good, and they've got talent. There's a, This Florida team reminds me of like some of those teams that Kentucky's had you know, in the last seven, eight years. You think about the Julius Randle, James Young team. Now, the Cats had more pure talent, but Florida's got a lot of talent. American Kentucky started off, they fell in top 25, and they were losing games they shouldn't. But then by March, that talent started to shine, and we got all the way to the title game. The Florida team's got all the talent in the world. They've lost some games they maybe they shouldn't. They've looked bad, but they've also looked good lately. Because they've got, I actually think for talent for talent, they've got more talent than Baylor. I'm going to save that prediction. I don't know who I'm going with. Just give me some time. <laughs> give me some time. I don't know. Um, that'll be a fun one on Saturday. That'll be a fun, fun game on Saturday. Let's take a look at some Ken Palm here. Ken Palm. There's a new number one team in Ken Palm. Kansas moves to number one. Duke had been number one. Kansas number one team in Ken Palm. Ken Palm's top ten looks like Kansas, Duke, Gonzaga, Baylor, Dayton, West Virginia, Louisville, Michigan State, San Diego State, and Seton Hall. The Cats to number 21. They were 25th, so they actually moved up a little bit. How about this in Ken Palm? Purdue 17th. Again, Ken Palm takes into account everything. They take into account offense, defense, stats, steals, percentages, opponents, conference schedule, non-conference, strength of schedule. They take in everything. And this is a real measurement or real um measurement of who's good and who's not in a lot of aspects. Now I know Purdue sitting here at 10 and 8, 3 and 4 in the Big 10, but for them to be 17th at Ken Palm, their stats are pretty good and it shows how weird college basketball is right now. The number one offense of all of college basketball is still Gonzaga. The number one defense in all of college basketball according to Ken Palm is actually Kansas now. Kansas Look at that. The Jayhawks with the number one defense in college basketball. Raise your hand if you had that. See, and we talked about Purdue. Purdue sixth. Purdue sixth in defense. They just got to find ways to close games out. Um, 
Luck percent. This is why I love Ken Palm. Luck percentage. The number one, apparently, luckiest team in college basketball is Santa Clara. <laughs> Santa Clara. Who would be the unluckiest? Does it do it that way? No, it doesn't. The number one strength of schedule, the Kansas Jayhawks. I think they had it last year, too, if I remember right. The Kansas Jayhawks. How about Minnesota having the number two toughest strength of schedule? <laughs> Crazy college basketball, right? Crazy college basketball. So we start to kind of wind stuff down. Let's take a look. Um, I knew a new bracketology came out. Again, this is the time of year where it doesn't mean like anything at all, but it is fun to kind of take a peek in the mind of these guys who do this for a living and uh, just see what they have. It's fun banter, right? It's fun banter. So let's take a peek at the newest bracketology. It just came out today, actually, just not too long ago. The one seeds, we see Baylor, Gonzaga, San Diego State, and Kansas. Some interesting uh, matchups here. Kentucky's a five seed in the West. Boy, I would hate this draw. If this was real, we'd be a five in the West. Potentially have to play Oregon in the second round and then possibly Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. I'd hate that draw. Absolutely hate it. Um, Louisville's a three seed. They'd be in the same bracket as Kansas. Ooh, oh, see, now this would be tough because we know the talent's there. This Midwest, if this was to hold up, Kansas is that one. Arkansas is an, and Penn State's the eight nine. Kansas would hate those matchups, but I think would win. But look at these five Arizona. They have Purdue as a twelve play in against Virginia Tech. Villanova the four. You have Ohio State the six. Louisville the three. Michigan State the two. So if just pretend that this was real and Kansas was to go through to make it to the final four out of that. They'd either have to play Arkansas or Penn State in the second round. Then in the Sweet 16, they could get either Arizona or Villanova. You know how good both teams those are. Villanova's already beaten them. But if they had to play Arizona, the talent's there for Arizona. Then in the, the Elite Eight, they'd either have to play Ohio State, Louisville, or probably Michigan State. If you're a Jayhawk, you would have to hate, <laughs> hate that. Indiana Hoosiers, they have them as a 10 seed playing the 7 Memphis. That's a terrible matchup for both squads. If you're Memphis, you hate that because Indiana is deep in the front court. If you're Indiana, you hate that because they're so talented, even without James Wiseman. The athleticism could be a factor. And then the 2 seed, so the winner of that would probably have to play Duke in Greensboro in the second round. You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, it's just fun. I love these bracketologies, right? I love them. Dayton's up to a two line. Um, that that South region would be the land of like the misfit objects because Baylor's the one. Dayton's a two. Butler's a three. Your top three seeds are schools that are traditionally like kind of like they're good, but not that good, right? Florida would be the nine. Iowa the five. Auburn the four. Michigan and six. St. Mary's, who we thought could be top twenty five, good all year, is an eleven. Just what a wild time, right? They have. 11 teams from the Big Ten, which would tie the Big East record from like 2011, the old Big East. 11 teams in from the Big Ten right now. Six from the Big East, five from the SEC, five from the Pac-12, five from the Big 12, five from the ACC. And a lot of people think the ACC is so good, but they're not really that good this year. I think Big Ten's the best conference. Then I think it is the Big East. 
11 from the Big Ten, 6 from the Big East, 5 from the SEC, Pac-12, Big 12, and ACC, 3 from the American, 3 from the West Coast, 2 from the Atlantic, and then everybody else gets 1. Woo! We're getting close to March, and I love it. I love this time of year. Let's start to wind this show down, though. Uh, I've got some shout-outs here. Let's shout-out. You know, Kenny Payne, Tony Barbie, I've already told you what they've done. They're tremendous head coach or assistant coaches. Tony actually used to be the head coach of Auburn back in the day. Um, both those guys, tremendous. The, the way they changed the game plan around, and you got their John Robich in there too, and Joel Justice, that whole Kentucky assistant staff. Tremendous job doing what they could in Coach Cal's absence to help turn that game around. Shout out to Luke Garza, 33 points in the win over Michigan. I told you he's top 10 in the nation in scoring. Big seven foot two center for Iowa. Absolutely dominating teams right now, it seems like. Iowa's main go to guy. Let's go into the bank on it. I'm going to revisit that game I talked about. I'm going bank on it. Florida knocks off number one Baylor in the O'Connell Center. Or I'll still call it that. I don't even know if it is there. But Florida knocks off number one Baylor. Bank on it Saturday night. I just I feel good about the Florida team. I still think Baylor is an extremely good team. It's not that, but Florida's got all this talent. They're at home. They're playing a lot better. I've seen this story before. Give me Florida in that upset, and then Florida is going to go on a run like nobody's business. I think. So that's that. Um, let's start tidying up some loose ends here. I didn't actually. I've mentioned the rankings briefly and like just passing but let's go ahead and just talk about the, the ap poll real quick baylor jump gonzaga you know that gives us i think our seventh number one team already this year so it goes baylor gonzaga kansas san diego state florida state louisville dayton duke villanova seton hall's top 10 11 through 20, Michigan State, Oregon, Butler, West Virginia, Kentucky, Auburn, Maryland, Texas Tech, Iowa, Memphis, and then 21 through 25, Illinois, Arizona, Colorado, Rutgers, Houston. That is the AP poll. Others receiving votes, Wichita State fell out, LSU, Michigan fell out, Northern Iowa was getting votes, Ohio State fell out, Wisconsin, Purdue is getting nine votes, Indiana is getting six, which I actually think kind of should be flip-flopped. But nonetheless, Florida is getting 21 votes, Arkansas 19, all that good stuff. Rutgers, like I said, first time in the poll in 41 years. Kentucky fell five spots. The biggest loser of the week was Auburn, who fell 12. The biggest jump of the week was, looks like Iowa, seven, seven, or yeah, they went up seven spots, is what it shows. So good stuff. The only, my only gripe with it, is that you've got Seton Hall who's on a seven-game win streak at 10. Duke, who's lost two in a row, only fell to eight. It's just crazy to me. Give me the Pirates over Duke, and then the rest of it I'm okay with. But that's going to be episode 53 of Everything College Basketball. I know this is a little bit shorter one, but I'm also recording later. We'll be back on schedule for episode 54 Sunday evening, so you can join me then. We'll recap the SEC Big 12 clash. We'll recap all the games from this past week. Um, did Indiana knock off Michigan State or Michigan State stop their two-game slide against the Hoosiers? We'll find out all that and more. Thank you guys for listening. Continue to support and enjoy the podcast and the Facebook group. And until Sunday, we will catch you then. Boom!